The Fanboy, episode 78. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 78th edition of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Um, look, we, you know, we've uh, we've hit peak blogger BS lately, it seems like. You know, it seems like every day this week, and actually for like the last like two weeks, I'd say, I log on to Twitter or Facebook or just get generally onto the internet somewhere, and some insane rumors floating around. And they get retweeted and they get shared and they get YouTube videos dedicated to them and all kinds of nonsense happens. And by the way, I'm not immune to this. You know, I think I ac- I, I've accidentally contributed to some of the white noise and I'm going to take myself to task for that a little later on in this episode. But right now, you know, we've got to be careful. Right now, with the amount of bogus information flo- you know, floating around or empty teases or people just racing to be first and racing to want to appear to be cool and appear to be insiders and they end up passing along information that is at best faulty and at worst complete and utter nonsense, we got to be careful because soon it's going to become impossible to decipher what's real, what isn't, what's news, what isn't, what's concrete, and what's just white noise. I mean, you just, I mean it happened in the real news world. You know, I've been talking about that lately with the 24-7 news cycles, with the way it just seems like, in general, we've conditioned people to have ADD, where there's a, here's a huge story that has huge ramifications. People look at it, they read it, and then they move on. Right now, nothing really seems to matter anymore. It doesn't matter how earth-shattering the news is or the actual occurrences that are taking place are. We just tend to take them in and rather than be shocked by them and shocked into action to do something about them, we just kind of like move on to the next thing. We just, you know, there's just so much white noise out there and there's so much distrust in the media and distrust in journalism and everyone's just become so sort of tribalistic that everything instantly becomes politicized. Doesn't matter what kind of news it is. Doesn't matter if people's lives are at stake. Doesn't matter if this is a really, really scary time to be an American. We all just kind of like move on to the next thing or we, or we find a way to turn it into, well, here's my political issue. I'm going to use this to try to make a political point about the other side, as opposed to, guys, this is really scary. How do we get together and figure out our way through all this darkness? And I don't want that to happen in our little geeky corner. I don't want that to come to the blogosphere, to Twitter, to our little world where we get to just talk about the stuff that we love. As I've spoken about so many times now, the talking about Marvel movies and DC movies and Star Wars and all this is supposed to be the good stuff. And we're going to poison it. We're going to poison it by retweeting and, and, and making YouTube videos about bogus stuff like, oh, they're going to cancel Aquaman. Did you hear that one? They said that Aquaman's going to be canceled and Jason Momoa is fired. Yeah, that's, that's all very, very uh, likely and accurate. I just, I don't know what it's going to take for people to realize that you've got to be more careful about what you share. You know, and I'm not perfect. Like I said, I'm not perfect. And we're going to get into that. But we've just got to be more careful. And as a reaction to how insane and undisciplined others in, in, in my field have become, 
Now, as a reaction to that, <clears throat> now I have to be extra conservative. <clears throat> Sorry. You know, moving forward, I've really, you know, I'm going to just have to be a little more tight-lipped, hold things closer to the vest because I don't want to contribute to the white noise. I don't want to contribute to the chaos that's going on out there or the fear tactics or all the questions. I don't want to get you all hyped up or all worried about things that may or may not be real. So I'm going to be much more disciplined moving forward because these last two weeks have just been banana. Who said banana? Oh, that's a, that's a wrestling inside joke. You guys wouldn't get that. Uh, but I keep on wanting to talk about professional wrestling lately, by the way, and I'm forcing myself not to because that's not what this show is. And I don't know if there's even an audience within the Fanboy Podcast listenership who would care about wrestling. But by my, And I'm not talking about the current product because I don't watch the current product. But I'm listening to the 83 Weeks podcast with Eric Bischoff and I, I got the WWE Network back so I can relive some of the glory days. And I've got so many like, just it's been on my mind a lot lately. My old professional wrestling hardcore nerd, my Mark, has been uh, just dying to talk about it. But either way, I digress. Um... So, all right, so let's talk about what you're actually here for, okay? Let, let, let's separate a little fact from fiction. Let's, you know, let, let, let's gain some perspective on some of what's gone on out there, okay? So earlier this week, a bunch of colleagues of mine, a bunch of peers in my general industry here, you know, reporters, commentators, podcasters, YouTubers, whatever you want to call them, were posting pictures and GIFs of, GIF, GIF, no idea, uh, Superman things on their on their Twitter pages and everyone was like what does this mean what does this mean you know m m my inbox was inundated with questions about have you heard anything and I had people tweeting at me about hey did you hear about this what is this about which by the way is very very flattering I still love that people hear about Superman stuff and they want to ask me what I think of it I think that's very sweet and very flattering and it means a lot to me actually um and I kind of issued like a no comment on Tuesday night. You know, I know a lot of people were asking and I kind of just basically said, listen, you know, I know what's going on, but I really don't feel comfortable sharing it. Let's just see how this plays out. And boy, oh boy, am I glad that I waited because um, it ended up just being nothing. It ended up being a bad game of telephone. I, I'm not going to say that there was anything nefarious. No one was trying to fool you or get your hopes up or try to hurt you or anything like that. It's not like it. There's no one evil here, but there's a game called Telephone. Have you ever heard of Telephone where you're sitting around in a circle and then you whisper something into the ear of the person next to you and then that person whispers it into the ear of the person next to them? And what ends up happening is because you're whispering and because they can't really hear you, it's interesting to see if the thing you said when it comes back to you, is it the same? Because sometimes things morph. People mishear things. People misunderstand things. And, they, and you're not allowed to ask, can you repeat that? All you can do is hear what you heard and then pass it along to the best of your ability. So that's the game of telephone. And that sort of happens here in the rumor world, in the scoop world, in the Twitter world. Where, you know, sometimes someone at a studio will overhear something at a meeting and then they'll rush and tell a friend of theirs online and then maybe they only really heard half the facts. And now the person who heard it thinks that's all the facts and then they pass it along to someone. And then that person hears it and goes, oh, you know what? That makes sense with something else I heard. So now I'm going to say that it's this. And by the time it gets out there, by the time it spreads like a wildfire, 
it's nothing like what was what what the originator step one was in that rumor it's morphed it's become something that maybe was just an idea that's now being spoken of as if it's a plan this sort of stuff happens so what was the superman thing you ask i'm about to tell you and some people might be pissed at me but i i i I can take the heat um so you know earlier this week in you know uh, journalistic circles there was a rumor floating around that a trade, be it Variety or Hollywood Reporter or Deadline, you know, well, one of the big three was going to be dropping a story about the fact that Warner Brothers has hired a writer for Superman. Yay! But that it wasn't going to include Henry Cavill. Boo. And uh, by the way, this should make sense now because there, there was one blogger out there who tried to be as, spe- <laughs> he tried to be specifically vague, if that makes any sense. But there was a blogger out there who shall not be named, uh, who passed this along as, oh yeah, trade's about to drop something, it's going to make a lot of fans really happy, and a lot of fans really upset, and I advise this reporter to maybe post it under a different name, because they're going to get death threats. This is what he was referring to, because he was basically trying to say that on the one hand, yes, there's a Superman movie coming, they hired a writer, but on the other hand, it's going to basically be a reboot and they're not casting Cavill in it. So he was basically trying to intimate that DC fans would rejoice, but that the specific sect of DC fans who are only only really want Cavill in the role, who only really want Snyder's continuity to continue, are going to basically send this trade reporter death threats. Ha ha ha, good observation, guy. But as unfortunately, it wasn't true. And he didn't make it up, by the way. I'm not, you know, I'm not pointing to him as inventing the rumor, right? I've heard some pretty good uh, insight into where it came from and what the actual truth of the matter is. But the actual real truth of the matter is, it's not true. We are still where we were as of a few weeks ago where there's no current Superman movie in the pipeline and Cavill unfortunately seems to be out. It's it's just it's it's become just an accepted thing after that meeting they had in in September. That's been the last time the two teams have ever spoken. Warner Brothers has gone completely cold on Cavill and there's no at this point there's no idea or or or, or momentum around the idea that he'll ever wear the red cape again. So I know that's upsetting for some of you. It's upsetting for me. But, you know, for me, what's more upsetting is the fact that there's no Superman movie. But right now, you know, I've already kind of, you know, vented about that plenty. I've written columns about it. I've gotten emotional about it here with you on the show. Right now, I'm just kind of moving towards acceptance. It is what it is. Thankfully, there's lots of great animated Superman stuff coming. There's the reign of the Superman coming. You know, it looks like we're going to get some fun Superman stuff and the Arrowverse Elseworlds, you know, um crossover event and you know i'll always have older superman movies and older superman books and older superman media to keep me busy until warner brothers finally decides that they're going to grace us with another superman movie so that's just kind of how i have to look at it but yes folks that's what those teases were about that there was this buzz that oh any day now a trade is going to drop a report that a hire has been writered for a writer a writer has been hired for a new Superman movie, but unfortunately, just like the thing the last week about Tyler Hoechlin getting his own Superman spin-off TV show, it all kind of came from the same germ. It came from the same root source, which was generally a meeting discussing ideas for what to do with Superman. 
and different ideas were discussed, but that's literally it. It was a brainstorming session. It wasn't meant to leave that boardroom. It wasn't meant to be reported to the internet. It wasn't meant to be handled as if, hey folks, here's what's happening. It was literally a bunch of creative types discussing what do we do about Superman? Is there a way to reestablish him or reintroduce him? You know, there's, he has such a loyal following. What do we do with this beloved character? And they floated an idea of a TV show. And they floated an idea of a reboot. And they floated all kinds of things. But that's it. It was just creative talking. It was hearsay. It was you and me going, you know, maybe we should consider this. Doesn't mean that there's plans. Doesn't mean that, that, that there's contracts being signed. Doesn't mean that they're actually pursuing these ideas. Sometimes you just spitball. And that's all. And that's okay. People in the studio should be allowed to do that without somebody leaking it to the internet and it becoming this worldwide now. Oh, did you hear this is happening? So it's really just sort of, you know, it, it, it's upsetting to see how these things play out and that people can't just discuss and share ideas anymore without it turning into someone rushing to turn it into a scoop or to try to use it to make themselves seem like they're some sort of cool insider. It's really just, you know, it's upsetting and I'm really glad that I pled the fifth on that particular rumor. Now, for the one that I teased, like, uh, I don't know, I want to say like two weeks ago, I, I, I tweeted out something along the lines of, you know, every once in a while, something comes onto your lap where you're like, oh, this could change everything. This could be a huge story. And, you know, I posted a gif of some Simpson, some Simpsons character peeing himself. And unfortunately, you know, I guess I'm just going to tell you. Okay, I'm just going to tell you what it was. Because now it's more of just, it's not that big story I'd hoped. It could have been. It absolutely could have been. Because what I'm about to share with you did, in fact, happen. But it just, you know, the, the talks did not go the way that we all would have liked. Um, so a couple weeks ago, I had two different sources, two completely independent sources who have nothing to do with one another and who have both given me good information in the past. Scoops of mine that have been confirmed as of late came from these two people who don't know each other. And they both told me that Warner Brothers and Ben Affleck had been talking again about the idea of him reprising Batman. Because even though he's never officially stepped down, you know the whole deal. That by now it's basically just been a foregone conclusion for a while that he's gone. And there were renewed talks. And I heard it from two different people. I even heard specifics of what was being discussed. And you know that whole idea of the Matt Reeves Batman movie bookending the film with appearances by Affleck. And then you have a younger actor playing him in flashback. Like that's what was on the table. That's something that the studio was interested in getting going because Affleck himself has apparently sort of had a slight change of heart. He is interested in coming back. He's a little on the fence, but he's interested in coming back. Um, and what's interesting is the stick in the mud, the thing that seems to, to be why that those talks went nowhere is the director, is Matt Reeves himself. Apparently, Mr. Reeves has just, he's not really feeling it anymore. I think at one point, he would have been fine with Affleck as his star. But with everything that's gone on in the last year and a half, you know, he's not an idiot. He's seen what happened with Justice League. He saw the, the polarizing reception that BVS and Suicide Squad got. Right now, he doesn't seem to want the baggage that Batfleck 
would bring to his production. He wants his movie to feel fresh and new and different. So he is the one who's like not feeling the Batman thing. And by the way, this is encouraging in a way because the studio wants this, but they're not forcing him to do it. And they're not forcing and strong arming him. Remember, that was our big concern coming out of Justice League, coming out of all of this sort of soft rebooting that's been going on since the beginning of 2016, where the studio has been meddling and changing and forcing tonal shifts and doing all this stuff, re-editing the movies. Now it was more like they said, hey, Matt, we would love it if you could incorporate this idea. It was more of a suggestion. They said, we would appreciate it. We, we, we think this would be an exciting thing for you to do. And Matt Reeves, with his full creative control clause in his contract, said, thank you, but no thank you. He doesn't want it. And that may upset some of you. You know, the, the I mean, it, it upsets me. Remember, I love Ben Affleck's Batman. I want to see more of him. But... I can also understand, you, know, you got to be able to look at all sides of things. And if you're Matt Reeves and you look at the way things have played out and all the drama around Ben Affleck and all of the sort of baggage he would, he would bring forth from the previous chapter of this DC saga with him, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want anything that's going to make people think about movies they were less than in love with. You know, he doesn't want to appeal to just the people that loved Batfleck. He wants to try to make a new Batman who could ideally become, you know, the whole new Batman for this generation. And right now, unfortunately, even though Ben Affleck could have easily been that guy, the reception from the three films that he was in was not good enough. And it didn't really position him in a place where he could be this generation's Batman, which is really hard. You know, it's, it stinks. It stinks. I thought he was phenomenal in BVS, but I don't want to beat that dead horse. But that was the um, that was the thing I was teasing a couple of weeks ago. For those of you who were like, oh, what was that big DC scoop? That was it. You know, had those talks ended up going well, because I, I was waiting to see how it turned out, because I could have run it as a rumor. Oh, Affleck and the studio are in talks. But honestly, at this point, that even makes me roll my eyes. I think we are all tired of the will he or won't he stuff. So I didn't want to run it as an in-talks thing. I very well could have, and I probably would have gotten a ton of clicks and a ton of traffic and a ton of retweets and a ton of new followers because that's what happens when I talk about Batman, which is pretty cool. But I decided against it because I decided we are all tired of this. So I'm going to wait and see how the talks turn out. And if the talks turn out well and I find out from my independent sources, hey, Affleck is back, then I, that, that to me would have been a holy grail of a headline to run. To say, everyone, Ben Affleck will return. He will be in Matt Reeves the Batman, and he will be positioned as the present-day Batman while another actor plays the flashback Batman. You know, I, I was that would have been the story that might have made my blogging career, and that's why I was so excited about it. But unfortunately, it didn't pan out. So now it's just one of these little bits of, you know, what if trivia, you know, it's interesting that as recently as, you know, two or three weeks ago, they were talking again, but it looks like, you know, that, that officially has gone the way of the dodo. Um, and I'm sorry, you know, for, for teasing you. And that's why I'm saying we, with everything I've been seeing these last couple of weeks with people just filling your head with all these different rumors and innuendo and teases of things that may or may not be real. And is it good news? And is it bad news? I don't want to do that to you anymore. Because remember, all I really get out of doing any of this, 
All I really get out of this show, which by the way has no ads, and you get it for free, and I've already done, you know, between this and The Revengers, I've given you like 130 hours of free podcasting in the last year and change. And the only thing I really get out of Revenge of the Fans, because the site still doesn't really make that much money, it makes like 100 bucks a month when you average it all out, which barely covers the overhead costs. So the only thing I really get out of any of this is building a relationship with you is creating this community together, giving you a place where you can get your news and rumors and analysis without someone trying to fill your head with fear and to make you anxious and to give you things that are gonna make you worried about the things you love. I'm here to try to help you find the good stuff and to give you fun things to think about. That's what I'm here to do. And I'm here to build a relationship with you. That's all I really get out of this. You know, I've poured hundreds upon hundreds of hours into Revenge of the Fans, the Fanboy Podcast, and the Revengers Pod. And monetarily, in terms of tangible things, I've gotten close to nothing for it when you really think about it in the grand scheme of things. So all I've really got is your trust, your faith, and your support. And that's why I do this. So that's why, moving forward, I'm going to be much, 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 much more careful about what I tease, I'm going to be much more careful about what I sh what I write on the site. You know, right now I'm going to try my best to start waiting more for the end results of certain things that I hear as opposed to sharing something with you that could happen because I find that stuff interesting. Personally, I find that stuff interesting. But I'm noticing now that I it unfortunately leads people on. I've gotten people who have come at me with anger and they, they're, they're furious with me for leading them on. For getting them excited about, you know, like earlier this year, you know, the big talk, everything I was hearing, and I was not the only one hearing it, mind you, but we were all hearing that a Superman sequel was indeed coming, that DC wanted to get Superman involved in Shazam and in all these other, make him the connective tissue, make him the Nick Fury. Remember, that was not my scoop. That was, that was Collider. You know, there was a lot of stuff. Even the Hollywood Reporter confirmed the fact that there were you know, discussions about getting Cavill into Shazam. Like, this is not, I didn't make this stuff up. But since I was one of the people beating the drum for A Man of Steel 2 and for all this sort of stuff, you know, there are people who are heartbroken by what's happened now. And they take that hurt and they turn it into hate. And they come at me with all of this fire and rage. And rather than get upset, that they're calling me names or rather get upset that, that they think I'm some sort of fraud. I just get sad because I realize, you know, I, I led people on and that's the last thing I do. That's the last thing I want to do. What I, you know, the, all I really get out of this is my connection to you. And if I ruin that, then there's really no point in revenge of the fans. There's really no point of this show. And you know, I just want you guys to keep that in mind. You know, if anyone out there, you know, sometimes you get, I get these people who are like, oh, you made it up. You're a liar. You did this for clicks. Like, I don't really get anything from clicks. You know, there's no real reward to me inventing bogus rumors. All I'm going to do is tarnish my, my integrity. I'm going to tarnish my relationship to you. And my relationship to you is all I get out of this. You know, you're... You know, I don't know exactly how to put this without getting too like mushy or sappy or whatever, but you know, I don't have a very high opinion of myself and I never have. I don't believe in me, but you guys do, or some of you do. 
And that's why when you believe in me and you tell me that I'm having an impact on your fandom, when you share with me these beautiful thoughts and words about what this show has come to mean for you or how much you look forward to my reports and all this sort of stuff, that's the world to me. Because all I've ever wanted is to be, you know, liked and respected and, and thought of as someone special. You know, I know that the popular thing to feel the, the, the sort of t-shirt bumper sticker slogan is like, oh, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I'm too cool for that. You know, and you know what? Maybe that's the healthier way to be. It probably is. In all honesty, it probably, I, I would probably be a much more complete human being if I didn't need your approval. But unfortunately, I'm not a complete human being. I'm a flawed person with all kinds of stuff that hopefully you guys will never, I'll never share with you here because otherwise I'll just have to rename this show the TMI Hour with Mario Francisco Robles. But, you know, there's stuff that goes on up here in my brain and in my heart, things I've experienced that basically make me feel like my words don't matter, like you could like me one second and hate me the next. I'm wired to think that this could all implode at the drop of a dime. That's just how I'm wired to think. And I'm wired to think that why would anyone give a damn what you have to say, Mario? You're nothing. That's how I think of myself. So that's why it's like I, I, I gain nothing by spreading bogus things. Anything I tell you, I tell you because I think you'll like hearing it. But I have to start thinking more responsibly because now that my voice is starting to get a little bigger and then my following is just starting to get, you know, I don't know, it's it's kind of cool what's happened this year, what's going on with, with the site and with my name and with whatever. Um, I just got to be more careful because right now, you know, I, I tend to approach this as a, as a fan. I tend to approach this as, oh, I heard something cool. I got to go tell my peeps about it. But now I'm seeing that that could lead to heartache and strife and confusion and feelings of anger and resentment. And I don't want that because the second this stops being fun, the second this stops being emotionally rewarding, then there's no reason for me to do it anymore because I, I, I get nothing tangible out of this. All the rewards I get from this are emotional. All the rewards I get from this are psychological. The pep in my step that I get when I get a new review on Apple Podcasts. The confidence I feel when someone says, you write the best DC reports on the internet. Like those little, it's all, it's not, doesn't affect my bank account. Doesn't affect my life. I mean, actually it does affect my life, but it's all, you know, it's not something I can grab. It's not something I, I can't go buy a BMW with your goodwill. You know what I mean? So I just, I'm going to be more careful and I'm going to start treating this more like, you know, like I'm a, like a, like a reporter would more like as a professional would, even though technically at the end of the day, this is almost more of a, um, glorified hobby, I should say. Um, by the way, you see my shirt for those of you who are watching over on the YouTube, uh, I've got my revenge of the fan shirt on and I've also got my revenge of the fans mug. See what cheap plug. But by the way, these are the only two that exist. This is it. I haven't done a mass order yet. I did this because uh, I wanted to test out this site to see if I liked their merchandise. So I ordered one of each. And you know what? I'm pretty pleased with the quality. This is good. I mean, you know, I, I'm pleased with the quality. The price seems reasonable. The mug looks pretty good. 
So pretty soon we are going to launch some merchandising for those of you who want that sort of thing. You know, I've had several people tell me, you know, I want to buy some Revenge of the Fans merch, which to me is like, what, really? You want my little logo from my silly little website? You want to wear this? You want to put a bumper sticker on your car? You want to, sure, let's do it. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it's humbling and it's flattering and that's why I'm going to do it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if anyone buys any. But I, I officially found a means to bring you guys some RTF merch, some the Fanboy Podcast merch, all this sort of stuff. So for those of you who, uh, who want that sort of thing, you will have the opportunity to do that. And the funny thing is, again, even that, like, that's not going to get me rich. You know, it, it, I'm not trying to get your money because when you look at it, like the, the, the website keeps like 95% of all the money, you know, I, I I'm going to get like five, I'm going to get like a dollar per shirt sold. And it's like, you know, it's, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, you guys want it. There's a, I found a good way to give it to you. So I'm going to give it to you very soon. That's what she said. Um, all right. So. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Batman. Since we were just talking about him, I want to just wrap up one little thing I want you to hear. Um, it looks like even though the movie is filming next year, which is still the plan, and the buzz around the script is positive, and you know, people are feeling good about it, um, even though it's filming next year, and the assumption would be that it could very well come out in 2020, because a lot of times, you know, if you film it one year, it comes out the following year. With the way things are shaping up, it's going to be almost like a Wonder Woman 1984 deal, where it's really more of like a year and a half cycle. So it's going to film next year in 2019, and internally the discussions are that it comes out in 2021. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I don't know why that is. I don't know if they're expecting that this is going to have uh, a lot of post-production work that's going to need to be done. You know, maybe a lot of CG, which to me sounds a little strange because Batman movies typically, you know, his he doesn't have superpowers and his villains tend to be very sort of grounded humanoid villains, people in costumes and masks, not big CG creations. Uh, but for regardless, they're going to give Matt Reeves, the Batman, a ton of production time. And, you know, if they follow previous sort of models, you know, Batman has tended to be a summer property. So I would say it's going to be somewhere in summer of 2021. But um, so there you go. I just kind of want to pass that along. It comes from a source that I can stand behind. The same source that's given me some of the other scoops. I've been on a nice little tear for those of you paying attention lately, by the way. I've had a lot of scoop confirmations lately. And the only reason I feel comfortable sharing with you this thing about Batman's release year is because this this uh, source has proven themselves uh, several times over. Um, so they're telling me 2021. So I'm telling you 2021. This is not just some hearsay loose rumor I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend. This is from a source of mine who works for Warner Brothers and who has proven themselves time and time again. So Batman in 2021, folks. Uh, you know, be patient. Um, now, I've also got some interesting information from the other side. I, I rarely really cover like Marvel stories or Marvel scoops because I don't really have a lot of sources on that side of things. Marvel Studios seems to be really good at keeping stuff on lock. And that's how they're able to control the narrative as well as they have. And, you know, the, I don't know what it is that they do that's different than what happens over at Warner Brothers. But Marvel doesn't seem to have nearly the leak problem 
that Warner Brothers does. I don't know what it is about the cultures at the respective studios. I don't know about maybe it's the potential ramifications. Maybe, you know, Disney tells people, listen, if we if we find out you leaked it, you're fired. That's it. Your, your, your contract is terminated. I don't know what it is, but Marvel scoops are much harder to come by. At least they are for me. Um, but just an interesting thing I heard about Spider-Man Far From Home, Spidey fans, is, you know, you know how there was like that Iron Man connection in the first movie that Robert Downey Jr. was in it and there was kind of that Tony Stark mentor relationship? Well, it's not expected to carry over per se because Robert Downey Jr. is not expected to appear in Spider-Man Far From Home. Take from that what you will. Um, but other peripheral Iron Man characters have been spotted on the cast list. So... You know, I have a way of seeing, of laying eyes on cast lists that are way more, you know, serious in nature than what you'd find on like IMDb and stuff like that. Uh, I can't reveal how, but I've got, you know, I've got a source who's able to show me what some industry only cast lists look like. And on the Spider-Man Far From Home one, there's one that isn't going to be all that surprising, mind you, but because he was in the last one. But that's John Favreau. Apparently, you know, Happy Hogan is expected to have some sort of appearance in Far From Home. I don't know if it's just a cameo or whatnot, but right now he's listed on the thing. Robert Downey Jr. is not. And another one, which is just a little stranger. It makes me wonder, like, is he playing a different character or are they really going to try to beef up this tiny role? It's almost like what happened in Homecoming where the, the, the guy who played his like science teacher also had a bit part in The Incredible Hulk. And technically, these are all one big canon now. So it's like, was, that a, was he reprising that role or was he playing something different? It's kind of just like a bit of you know, an Easter egg. I forget the guy's name, but the guy from uh, Silicon Valley. You know, he, he was in Incredible Hulk and in uh, Homecoming. Same thing with the guy who played... Um, you know, one of the Howling Commandos, is that the right thing? The Howling Commandos? I'm not sure. From Captain America, the first Avenger, who seems to be playing that character's ancestor in Spider-Man Homecoming. So similar to that, I don't know what it's going to be, but the actor Peter Billingsley is listed for Spider-Man Homecoming. And Peter Billingsley, for like old school people, you know him as the kid from A Christmas Story. And he's someone who John Favreau is very tight with, and he tends to sneak him into things. He also had a cameo in Elf. You know, Peter Billingsley tends to pop up in Favreau projects. And even though Spider-Man Far From Home is not a Favreau project per se, his name is on the cast list. So remember, in, in the first Iron Man, he played like a scientist for Stark Industries. And there's like a, there's, you know, I, I would say that his biggest scene in the first Iron Man is a confrontation with Jeff Bridges. You know, uh, he comes and he basically, you know, he wants the suit made and whatever. And the scientist is letting him know that he can't seem to replicate what Tony created. And uh, the ironmonger, you know, uh, Jeff Bridges kind of intimidates him and threatens him and whatever. Um, but that actor is listed for Spider-Man Far From Home. So I don't know if they're going to do a thing where like Hap and this scientist from Stark are maybe, you know, helping to give 
Peter more new Stark industry tech. I don't know what it is. I, I can't speculate on the story or the role. I don't know who he's playing. The one annoying thing about these cast lists is it just lists the names of the actors involved. It does not list character names. So that's why like back in May, when I gave you guys the cast list for the Harley Quinn animated series that's coming to the DC Universe, you know, that's where I told you, I think Kaylee Coco is playing Harley Quinn. And then and then I know that she's on the cast list. I know that, you know, Diedrich uh, Bader is, gonna, is on there, Alan Tudyk. And all these things have gone on to be confirmed. So the cast list was legit. But there's always tends to be a little bit of guesswork as to who they're playing. Same thing happened this week with Dante Pereira Olsen. You know, a week and a half ago, I put up a report that he's been cast in the Joker movie. And then this week, it got confirmed. Comicbook.com passed it off as an exclusive, by the way, which, you know, mm, yeah, you find out what character he was playing, but I'm the one who told people he was in the movie, but I digress. Um, but I got that from this same source, this same sort of intra-industry, only the pros see this list sort of cast list. So Peter Billingsley and John Favreau are expected to pop up in Spider-Man Far From Home. Let the speculation begin as to how they'll factor into the story or if it'll just be a one-off you know, cameo appearance. Who knows? Either way, I thought it'd be interesting to share that with you because I rarely get to share any Marvel tidbits. And while we're on the subject, um, I'm not going to spoil anything for you for Avengers 4. But all I will say is in my conversations with my source who, you know, who helped hooks me up with these cast lists, you know, it looks like Avengers 4 is going to sort of continue that theme of being like a culmination event, a way of like tying up loose ends and bringing in almost all the characters we've seen so far in the MCU as part of like, you know, this is the big finale for this leg of the saga. Because some of the names I'm, I've heard on the Avengers 4 cast list who haven't been announced yet are names of characters that we haven't seen in a while and characters that you may not be expecting to see. And I just want to just let you know that. Like, it's pretty cool. It seems like, be it flashback stuff or, you know, time travel stuff, which has been the big rumor for a while. You know, we're going to be seeing some older, familiar faces that we might have totally sort of forgotten about by now or we never imagined we'd see them in this they're going to be in this. It's pretty cool what they're cooking up over there. But it really does seem like Avengers 4 is going to try to really honor the legacy of these last 11 years of Marvel storytelling when it comes out in 2019 by working in appearances by some long forgotten characters. Just kind of want to put that on your radar. Now I just kind of want to change it up a little bit because, you know, every once in a while you see a movie or you watch a TV show, or you hear a song, or you do a thing, that's just exactly what you needed. It just, for whatever reason, it's like the universe giving you a gift. And that happened for me yesterday. Because honestly, yesterday, I was I was not in a good place. I, I, I kind of woke up in a real sort of uh, dark hole of despair, so to speak, uh, for a multitude of reasons. And I just, I was not in a good place, which is kind of ironic, I guess, because I was posting lots of like positive, optimistic stuff. Uh, but that's, you know, that's mainly because I, I'm a firm believer that you get out of the world what you give into it, what you put into the world, you get back. And so sometimes when I'm feeling my absolute worst, I put out my absolute best, hoping that maybe some of that will come back to me. Maybe it'll boomerang back if I create a cycle of positivity. 
Um, and that happened yesterday because yesterday I was not in a good headspace. I was in a very dark place and all my friends are, you know, they all have their day jobs so they couldn't come and speak to me. Because yeah, that's the weird thing about my schedule, by the way, since I'm a DJ and I work, you know, at nights on Friday, Saturday and Sunday during the days, I'm kind of just on my own for hours because my wife's at work. All my friends have regular sort of nine to five jobs. I don't have a lot of people to talk to. So, by the way, which is why this podcast is perfect, because I get to talk to you guys on Fridays, so I got someone to talk to. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I wasn't feeling so hot, and then something interesting happened. It was like cosmic, in a way, where, you know, I covered a story. I mean, I, 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 it wasn't me. I believe this one was written by Jonathan, Jonathan Brady, one of the very talented writers who I'm so lucky uh, just donates their time to Revenge of the Fans every day contributing stories I'm, I'm extremely lucky because remember I, I i can't pay people right now there's not enough money to pay anyone so we all just kind of it's all labor of love but jonathan wrote a story about the new taylor sheridan movie because chris pratt is going to appear in it he's going to star in it and it, as part of just passing along that story to you guys you know, I mentioned my love of Sicario. I mentioned my love of Hell or High Water. And so somebody, a Cooper Hood, movie Cooper, uh, he told me, oh, well, have you seen Wind River? And I'm like, no, I, I you know, I, I'd heard about it some time ago, but I'd never seen it. And he told me it was on Netflix. And now... I'm going to pass that referral down to you. So your referral this week indirectly comes from Cooper Hood, who told me to see it. I saw it, and now I'm passing it over to you. The film is called Wind River. It's on Netflix. And it was just, it was it was everything I needed yesterday. It, it, it spoke to me in very uh, intimate ways in terms of things that were on my mind. And it's just weird when that happens, you know, when it, when a piece of art just happens to be exactly what you needed to hear, exactly what you needed to experience to kind of help shake you out of whatever it is that's holding you down that day. And I guess that's why they say, like, sometimes, like, the best cure for a sad day is a sad song. Because then you hear it, you cry, or you sing about it into your steering wheel, you get it out of your system... And then the good feelings come because now you, you, you uncorked it. You, let, you got all that negativity out of you and now you can just be happy. And for me, uh, Wind River just did that. And I've, I've really got to talk a little bit about Taylor Sheridan because this guy just seems to get it. He just seems to get it and it's unbelievable. You know, his body of work so far is just, you know, it just shows that he gets it. You know, he didn't direct Sicario, but he wrote it. He didn't direct Hell or High Water, but he wrote it. This one, though, he wrote and directed. So now he's instantly become one of my favorite filmmakers now. See Wind River, it'll probably do the same for you. But what I like about Sheridan is he understands that great stories are often based on the simplest of ideas with the volume turned up. You know, that's something that I, don't, I'm, you know, I want you guys to think about because it's so interesting, the creative process of creating these movies that we all love so much, where it could really come from. You know, and I kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago and I was saying how like a lot of times an artist's sort of tormented psyche gives way to beautiful art because they're able to take something that they're dealing with in their mind and in their heart and turn it into a metaphor and, and assign characters to it and suddenly it's something else. 
And it suddenly it's a cool, entertaining bit of art that was therapeutic for them and entertaining for you. And a lot of times, a lot of the great works of art that we take in come from an idea that you may not realize, you know, oh, really, that's where this came from? Like an example, you know, like, let's say you have a story in your head about two friends and one of them is always there for the other, always believes in the other. No matter how many times the other one falls down, the, the other, you know, their, their friend always helps them get back up. And now later on in life, the roles reverse and you have a friend now who's fallen into a super dark place and you want to help them and you don't know how to save them or how to connect with them because now you can, you, you can almost not recognize them anymore. And you think back on the good times and you refuse to give up on them, no matter how much everyone else tells you to, to, to move on, that they're a lost cause, that they're damaged goods, that they're not worthy of your love and support anymore. And let's say you want to sort of tell a story like that. Well, you know, you can make it very literal. You can make it just about that innate story, a very human, maybe kind of like a small little indie film that you make for, you know million bucks and it's more of a character piece and you hire Mark Ruffalo and you, you know, like you could you can make that kind of movie out of it or you can make Captain America Winter Soldier. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how when you take these little kernels of ideas, these very human relationships or these moments in our lives, these forks in the road that we come to and you just turn the volume up and you add a little bit of fantasy element into it, but you still get to talk about something real, something emotional, something, you know. And I bring up Winter Soldier because, you know, at its heart, it's about friendship and it's about not giving up on each other. And it's about saying, no matter what you've become, I still love and honor who you are. And I believe you can be that person again, despite what's happened to you. You know, and that movie also had political allegories to it, too, about Big Brother, about where we're heading as a society. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to like tie all this in like it's a Marvel thing. I know it's kind of like a, you know, maybe a silly way to go with all this point that I'm trying to make. But it just goes to show you like movies, the, the best movies I find are the ones that take something that's incredibly relatable, incredibly real, incredibly personal and just dials it up to 10 and tells it in a way that, you know, it, it makes the medicine go down. You know, and you get the message and the writer perhaps gets all the catharsis they need and the release they need to work out these ideas that they need. But you did it while watching a bunch of people in costumes run around and beat the crap out of each other. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. And Taylor Sheridan seems to be someone who's able to do that. He takes these small, you know, intimate human ideas, these things that he wants to say about society, these things he wants to say about human relationships, these things, you know, and, and he he turns it into, you know, like a modern day Western, like Hell or High Water sort of was. Or he sets it into the backdrop of the drug wars like Sicario, where, you know, he had you could tell there's a lot he wanted to say there. But he put guns and he added Benicio del Toro and Emily Blunt and it became something bigger, due in large part, by the way, to the amazing direction of Denis Villeneuve. Um, but, you know, Sheridan seems to have that ability to take really basic human things and add insane stakes to them. And Jeremy Renner is amazing in this. 
Uh, John Bernthal is in it, and he's phenomenal in it. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, from, uh, you know, she plays Scarlet Witch. She's in it, and she's great. I mean, overall, Wind River, I cannot recommend to you highly enough. Uh, It's exactly what I needed yesterday. And if you want to just see some great filmmaking, it's basically, you know, it's a Western in the snow. And it's and it's in a modern setting, and it's got all kinds of interesting things to say about fatherhood, about friendship, about what about our society, about what city people think as opposed to what country people think, and the disconnect happening in our country, and all the awful you know things that we don't want to think about that are happening within our country and in our politics and in our everything. But it does it in such a way that you never you know you don't have to think about that stuff if you don't want to. You could just watch the movie and be gripped by the performances and by the masterful directing and by the you know, the incredible pacing of it and just take it as an hour and 46 minutes of really just good filmmaking. Or you can dig a little deeper and see what all these roots are. Lucy, do you mind? Sorry, my dog is trying to uh, dig a hole in my couch. I'm trying to record a podcast. Lucy, I'm doing a thing here. Anyway, um... <laughs> So anyway, Wind River is your recommendation for this week. And uh, just, you know, I, I, I want you guys to think and maybe tweet at me about it. Other movies that you see kind of like what's really at play. You know, t- find another movie that's insane, that insane in scope and a big fantasy. And tell me how you're able to distill it to your everyday life. I want to hear those things. So tweet at me. You know, my Twitter handle is I underscore am underscore MFR. I want to see how many of you are able to look at your favorite movies and let me know how beneath it all, your takeaway from it was something extremely relatable. Because I think that's interesting. And I think that's why we love movies. And I think that's why we love art so much. We, we, We see ourselves in them. And they help us cope with things, even if it just seems like popcorn entertainment. Sometimes there's a surprising amount of depth in this stuff. And I like talking about it. I really do. So, you know, please tweet at me. Let me know what other movies you've seen lately or all-time favorites of yours that seem to be grounded in something that is real. And a bonus recommendation, by the way, before I wrap things up today is uh, The Haunting of Hill House. My wife and I have been watching it on Netflix all week. We're obsessed. We are hooked. And in all honesty, you know, it's, it's, it's everything that a good horror movie should be, but in series form. You know, to me, the best horror movies, the ones that stand the test of time, the ones that are not just, you know, about jump scares and gimmicks and here's a guy in a creepy mask trying to stab you or whatever... The, the, the best ones are the ones where you are invested in the characters, where the actual storyline is interesting, where you're filled with questions and intrigue and you, are, you buy into the actual human drama that's taking place. And it's not just about some gimmicky killing thing. You know, that's why I think films like The Conjuring do so well. You know, the James Wan's two Conjuring movies. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are great together. And usually the storylines that they have going on, you know, that's one of the reasons why you're so invested in the horror. You don't want anything bad to happen to them. You feel fear whenever they're in danger. And, you know, Haunting of Hill House, 
has all that in spades. Great, great human drama. Great, great, even just if you remove the haunted house element, the, the family that it centers on is very interesting and you want to find out more about them and how they came to be this way and, and what these dynamics are. And, you know, you want to dig into the tragedies of their past and understand the issues of their future. You know, it's just, it, it, it's a really, really good show. So The Haunting of Hill House, I think, uh, would be right up your alley if you're into horror movies. To me, it kind of, you know, has all the things. It checks all the boxes of what I would want in a good horror series. And right now, it replaces American Horror Story for good for me. Because for me, you know, American Horror Story was my show for that sort of stuff. But now, it just it, to me, it seems to have become hollow. The characters are not as interesting, and they seem to just be going for, like, shock value they seem to want to swerve you just for the sake of swerving you does it really serve the story or are you now like cheapening and weakening your premise you know to me this most recent season of american horror story started really strong the first episode or two my wife and i were like yes american horror story is back you know because we gave up on it last season that american horror story cult whatever that last season was numerically speaking we gave up on it but we were so excited about this one for the first two episodes and then it just kind of came off the rails for us same thing happened with the walking dead which you know i i love the first few seasons and now i just can't watch it anymore i don't care i know there's all this stuff going on with rick grimes they wrote him out and whatever like i just i can't i don't care anymore so in terms of needing a new horror show to follow uh the haunting of hill house is like thank you Thank you for replacing these other horror shows that are now out of my rotation. And thanks for giving me cool characters and interesting concepts and some real scares, by the way. Real, real scares where my wife and I are on the couch, like, you know, hiding behind each other because it's creepy stuff. But, um, all right, folks, I think that about does it for episode 78 of the Fanboy Podcast. Thank you for indulging me here for another week. Hopefully you got something out of this week's show. If you haven't yet, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I got an additional five-star review since we last spoke. They didn't write one, though, so there's nothing for me to read. They just gave me the five stars, and hey, I'll take it. I'll never complain about just getting the stars. But if you get a chance, please leave me a review. Please let me know if you enjoyed this. And if you have any thoughts on anything I shared, I'm always happy to engage with you over on the Twitter. And we can talk about this a little further. All right, everyone have a wonderful weekend. For those of you who are attending tomorrow's Revenger Watch Party Halloween edition, uh, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow should be a very special day. I kind of have to pinch myself a lot just thinking about the fact that we have an entire row. 16 of us are going to see Halloween together. And then afterward, almost all of us are going to be going to Blackthorn 51, where my band will play its first show in nearly three years. And I get to entertain you guys in a way that I haven't really had a chance to ever, um, for those of you who only know me through this sort of thing. So I'm very excited and I hope everyone else has a great weekend and everyone's moving towards their bliss. Everyone's taking actions to be happy, to move towards the things that make you happy. Because, you know, right now we, you need to be doing that. Things are getting scary out there. So please take care of yourselves. And until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios.